1: Market of Choice is a proud sponsor of the Meaningful Marketplace because we believe in the power of local craft makers to reinvent the way food and beverage products get to market in Oregon. Our vision is to inspire, mentor, support, and assist local food producers to reach their fullest potential. For over 40 years, Market of Choice has been supporting our local farmers, ranchers, fisher folk, and entrepreneurs we believe the way we source products has a positive ripple effect across our great state. That's why we're proud to offer over 7,000 local products to our stores. And the majority of our purchases support our robust regional food system. Oh, we love you, Market of Choice. Thank you so much for sponsoring Masonia Marshall's Meaningful Marketplace. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Masonia Marshall, a meaningful marketplace. We're glad that everyone has joined us live today, and we're honoring our social distancing by calling in for the show. As we're a live radio show, we think it's important for us to be here with stories of hope for our listeners, and thanks for joining us as we hear stories of food entrepreneurs that are females. I do have some food news. Sarah Marshall's at the coast and joining coast food, and I can't wait to ask her next week to find out what they enjoyed while they were vacationing. We want to tell everybody a little bit about what's going on in the world of specialty food. In fact, the Specialty Food Association is having their first virtual buyer event this fall. It's scheduled September 21st through the 24th, and it's going to be open 24 hours a day for four days. And makers will be available in person in their own virtual showrooms between 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. Eastern every day. If you're interested in joining this virtual showcase, just go to their website, specialtyfoodassociation.com, and get signed up. I'd also like to mention that the Urban Gleaners here in Portland are preparing for the start of the school year and wanting to make sure that they can help provide food safely for children in our schools. And if you're a food entrepreneur and you'd like to get involved and donate food for kids, contact Urban Gleaners. Also, if any of our food friends out there have an announcement, please contact us through our website and submit it through the startupradionetwork.com. Or you can message us on Instagram, at Massonian Marshall. We'll help spread the news about all of your food. I'm not here by myself in the studio today. I have a guest, and I'm joined with a very special person named Amy Thompson of Full Shelf Foods. Welcome, Amy. Thank you. It's good to be here virtually. Yeah. I'm so glad that you joined me today. It would be pretty lonely without you. (laughs) We want to help Sarah at the coast. I know she's in up in Long Beach. Um, We want to help connect our listeners to your company via social media and your website. Can you tell us what your links are for Instagram, Facebook, and your website? Uh, Yes, on Instagram, it's at Full Shelf Foods, and also our website is fullshelffoods.com. That's a great name. Did you, now I was doing a little bit of research about you and it seems you may have just started this business, Full Shelf Foods. Is that right?
2: Um, Yes, we started in 2017 and um, it is hard to name a business, but Uh, our, our job is to get the products, um, the artisan food products on the shelf in the grocery store and on the menu in the restaurant. So, um, full shelf is, is our goal. Um, and then, you know, of course the retailer, their job is to get the product off the shelf and into the shoppers basket.
1: And you're a, people can reach you at Amy at fullshelffoods.com. Is that right? Yes. All right. So I was doing a little sleuthing about you on LinkedIn. It's one of my favorite places to visit to find out about people. And I noticed that you've been doing this business for what just about almost two years. But before that, you did a lot of other things. And so I wanted to just dive a little bit into that and see how you ended up having your own food brokerage. That's what it is, right? Yes.
2: Yes. Um well I I was I, I think where I started my specialty food career was behind the cheese counter. So yeah, I worries, right? I was a cheesemonger for many years. Um and I think that's such an amazing way to learn about food because you're 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 touching and handling food, but you're also talking to customers and um smelling, tasting. Um Different varieties, hundreds and hundreds of cheeses from all over the world. It's a really fun job. Do you and, have a favorite cheese? Oh no,
1: there's so many. I love, so many.
2: <laughs> I, I, I love um, cow's milk um, cooked curd cheeses, Alpine style. So so like um, Comte from France or Gruyere from Switzerland. Anything Lots like that. Lots of flavor. Lots yeah. of flavor.
1: Yeah. And, but I also see you were a uh, AmeriCorps VISTA CSA organizer. That's, that's cool. Yeah. So um, I came to the cheese counter because
2: I thought cheese is a really unique food that connects um, consumers with agriculture because you can't talk about cheese without talking about milk, without talking about animals and how animals are cared for and how milk is produced. And and sustainable agriculture, and um, before I was a cheesemonger, I was working with local food producers, farmers, and organizing a, a community supported agriculture program,
1: connecting city people with fresh food. I might add that was in the Hudson Valley, right? So you were working on a vegetable farm.
2: Um, I, I worked with some growers in the Hudson Valley, but, um, during college, I spent a summer working on a vegetable farm in South, um, Eastern Indiana. So just outside of Cincinnati, I went to
1: college at Indiana university. So you're a Midwesterner, but now you reside in New York city. Yes. I have called New York city home for 18 years. Well, there you go. So you're definitely a New Yorker. So I see you are also working at Slow Food USA. Um, yes, that
2: Slow Food ha, has a project called Terra Madre, and they um, have a meeting of farmers from all over the world. So I worked on that project. This is going back uh, about 2006. Yes. Um, and this past year, 2019, I was Fortunate
1: enough to attend Slow Foods Cheese Festival. They had a lot of cheese there. I saw some of your pictures on Instagram. <laughs> they looked like a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, that the festival is very inspiring. Um, it happens every two years and it's in a wine region. And there are cheesemakers from all over the world. So it's really almost uh, the United Nations of, of cheese. <laughs> So That's to wonderful. be in Italy um eating Italian cheese but then Portuguese cheese and uh and Danish cheese and English cheese and Irish cheese and I worked the booth for the American artisan cheesemakers so we had products from Vermont and from California to show to the Italians which was really fun.
1: Was it fun to watch them taste their cheeses for the first time?
2: Yeah, um there is a different approach to food, which is, you know, more contemplative, more curious and, and more involved. I mean, people um, who came by for a taste of cheese really savored each bite and discussed it with their friends and family and, you know, had a moment with this new taste rather than just, you know, shoving it in their face really fast. There was, there so was a did really they have a, con- a
1: connoisseurship that I did I'd they never have seen you like take your picture with them next to the cheese that they liked. Sometimes, yeah, I've seen that. One of the <laughs> coolest things I think I've seen is when they have the big, huge like Parmesan or the Romano, and they heat it and scrape it and dig out the middle and do all that stuff. Did they do that at that cheese festival?
2: Um. I'm sure they did in a, in a restaurant setting there, but not out on the street, but, but just opening a wheel of Parmigiano-Reggiano is a site, um, where, you know, hundreds of people were gathered around just to see, you know, them open the wheel in the very particular way with, um, with the special knives and it's, it's a scene.
1: <laughs> yeah. So they take that huge wheel. How much do those weigh? Are they more than a hundred pounds? They're, no, they're just shy of 100 pounds. I think they're, they're around s- 90 pounds. They're huge, and they they lay, they turn them on their side, right? Or they crack um, them from the top?
2: They crack them from the side, yes, yeah. so that you have two, like, half moons. And if I was going to name a favorite cheese, it might be, you know, Parmigiano-Reggiano just because it is um, so versatile and so delicious,
1: Yeah. Some people save the rinds of the Parmesan and cook with really hard ends and make sauces and things I've heard. Yes. Wow. You're super lucky to have gotten to go there to check that out. So it looks like you're, I'm sort of taking people through all of the jobs you've done because you've done a lot of things that make you super special. And sometimes people listen and they're like, now, how could I do what she's doing and they can kind of pat um, patch together some of the things they've done and see, see from that. So you were a general manager also at Chelsea market.
2: Right. I, I managed a cheese shop called Lucy's way. And um, yeah, I think that because I've had, you know,
1: So you're a buyer, right?
2: I was a buyer. So I've had, Different positions within the specialty food world, and so that makes me, you know, ready to have my own sales company where I'm, um, I'm putting all the pieces together. So I'm making introductions and making connections between retail buyers and chefs and the food producers and the distributor partners. And um, when I was at Lucy's Way, I was curating or buying for the the whole store so you know picking which items and which brands and which flavors were going on the shelf and and then also designing sandwiches and hiring and training cheesemongers mm. um so did you have to taste everything of, oh yes that's the best part of my job now and my previous positions is is really tasting everything and learning about food um by by taste
1: Yeah, that's wonderful. So you're also um, tasting things and learning about all these different specialty food items. And all the while you're thinking to yourself, "Hmm, maybe I could create a business out of this? Or what was your big aha moment that you realized you should be a broker? Um, Well everyone kept telling me that I should have my own
2: cheese shop, but I know how hard it is to work in retail and to work in, in the pub with, with, you know, customer facing all the time and seven days a week and mornings and nights. And I wasn't ready for that. I don't know if I'll ever be ready for that. I, I applaud my friends that have fantastic cheese shops and they are inspiring to me for sure. But, um, in a way, I've got my own little shop that I'm I'm a I'm a traveling cheesemonger um, with a handful of artisan foods that really fit, you know, in in restaurants and in um, specialty stores. So, I I think that um, from from working in a retail store and then working for a distributor company that had thousands of items from all over and then representing one brand, I was like, I, I need to find where everything intersects, where I can choose the products that I sell every day and that I'm talking about every day. But um, but it's not just one and it's not just thousands, That it's, um, you know, brands that complement each other, foods that go together.
1: Mm-hmm. That's nice. And all the while you're matching them up with your favorite cheeses, I bet. Yes. And I'm really
2: excited about my newest client, um, Olympia Provisions from Portland. Oh, yeah. I don't even know if they were on your website yet. No, no. Um, so, everybody knows their fantastic charcuterie and salami is on the West Coast, but on the East Coast, um, you know, it's available for sure, but it's not in every great store. So, that is my new task, is um, really promoting Olympia Provisions Salami to all the great stores out here in in New York and New England.
1: So how so, does that work? So you mentioned when I was chatting with you last week that you had a training session with them. Was that done over Zoom? Yes. Can you tell us how over. that happened? How well, was the, that? The saddest thing is,
2: is that we were not tasting together.
1: I know well, they should have sent it out clearly. first.
2: Well, we, we did meet six months ago and taste together at the fancy food show, but, um, but it was really wonderful to have time to hear the full story. And, Mm -hmm. you know, because part of not, you know, part of what I do is not just, uh, dropping samples and, and bothering buyers, but really telling the story of how the, how the food came to be. Okay. Um, the culture The tradition and the culture of the recipe and the story of the the makers.
1: Okay, so, since they're new, why don't you practice on us and tell us about Olympia <laughs> provisions? Pretend I'm the well, buyer. I feel like
2: yes, of course. I feel like you're the the audience of this podcast knows it well, but um, the the line is uh, European. Um, and traditional salami inspired and, um, and chef inspired. So really culinary driven, um, and they're, they're making everything from scratch in their own facility. So they're taking, um, you know, their recipes and, um, state of the art, um, salami making. And I bet you're,
1: you were probably going to tour their, when you came to Portland for the Sarah, don't make me sad. Cancelled. <laughs> <I was, laughs>
2: yes, I love Portland and I was going to be there in July for the American Cheese Society conference. Yes. Which was canceled. Um and but it's I think I think that the American Cheese Society is one of the best events in specialty food, even if you're not a cheese person, because there's so much to learn and people are really open and people are really there to network and to collaborate. Yeah. So so I look forward
1: to next summer. um, Where where is it next summer? I don't even know. Did they tell us? Des Moines. Oh, it's in Des Moines. Yeah. Yeah, it's not Portland, (laughs) but I missed it. So, the people are so great at the conference. So, the thing about Olympia is that when you get to go on a tour of there, it's breathtaking because as you walk through the rooms where all of the salamis are hanging and aging, it's almost like walking through a forest, and the aroma is amazing. It's just amazing. And then you get to taste everything at the end of the tour. It's just delightful. I got to go there a few years ago, actually, and tour. So it was nice. I'm jealous. It's not just about that salami, because now you're also working with beehive cheese.
2: Yes. So beehive is um, a family-run creamery in Utah, which is the beehive state. And um, they make... Cheddar and then cheddar that's rubbed with flavors. So they do the pairings there, which is really fun. They have one called Tea Hive with Earl Grey tea and on the rind. And then my my new favorite for summer is the Hatch chili um, cheese that has New Mexico Hatch chilies roasted yeah. in the cheese. Um, and then in a very new cheese with Basil Hayden bourbon, so a bourbon-infused um, cheese called Pormia Slice. Oh. So um, it's it's fun to talk about unique food products and food brands, especially from the West Coast, um, where they have a following, but they don't yet have the the same you know degree of following on the East Coast. Can you tell and, us? Go ahead. Oh, yeah. And then uh, uh, my another client from the West Coast, oh. McConnell's Fine Ice Cream from Santa Barbara, California. So I got, you know, I've got some really delicious products
1: <laughs> to <Yeah>. talk about. <laughs> Can you tell us uh, one of your favorite stories of when you went into a, a shop, a brick and mortar shop, and you sold all of your products at one time? Did that ever happen? Yes, I think uh, there's a fantastic cheese shop
2: in Connecticut called Fairfield Cheese Greenwich Cheese and I've worked with them for years and they've they've brought in every line that I showed them which is pretty cool and they do a really great job educating their customers and
1: and telling the story of the producers So as a broker of of all these delightful foods, do you go spend time in the shops?
2: I do, and I did. I I visited way more shops before March of this year, um, and I would sometimes organize events or assist with classes or do in-store tastings during the holiday time, um, do staff trainings and but uh, there's less, there's just less eating together right now. But I, I, I have been visiting stores and dropping samples. Um, and it's, it's great to be out and about again
1: after yeah. just doing email and desk work for, for a while. I know. <laughs> like everyone else working you get remotely. tired of sitting on the wrong kind of chair at the wrong kind of desk. But aren't you operating from your home?
2: Yes, I mean, I'm so operating a kind
1: of normal for you.
2: Exactly. And then, you know, from my car and from, you know, a cafe here and the parking lot there and yeah, I mean, every day is different. Um, you know, I'm I sometimes I'm on conference calls and sometimes I'm stopping in, you know, to the cheese counter in a grocery store or um or a specialty food store. It's it's really great
1: to mix it up. So some of our listeners might be thinking, "Wow, I would really like Amy to help me sell my product." <laughs> yeah. Well, How would they what like now you might get 100 people calling you saying, "Will you look at my product?" And what would you say and what would maybe some of the criteria be for you to evaluate somebody's product to see if it would match up with your other products?
2: Um, I think the, I mean, the, the criteria is definitely, you know, if our, our goals and, and, and business plans align in terms of the, the markets that they're trying to reach and the markets that I have access to, um, and then, you know, their targets and, uh, and then also the story and the flavor, um, you know, right now I have five product lines and um, and I feel very busy, which is great. Um, and then, and I have two part-time um, contractors that are also out visiting stores. So we're seeing stores from the Jersey Shore and Philadelphia up to the Hudson Valley and Long Island and, you know, Before um, this strange time in COVID, I was going to Boston and um, Washington, D.C. So I hope to be back on the road um, throughout the Northeast um, later this fall, but we'll see.
1: So your main focus is selling on the East Coast, but you're bringing new and interesting things kind of from the west side of the U.S. to the east side of the U.S.
2: Definitely. And I mean, there's a lot of new business in, in um, direct to consumer e-commerce, and then there's no, there's no regional, you know, it's wherever a lot of times. And so I'll, I'll follow a lead wherever it may be. I'm not going, but you know, I'll work with the producer on that. Um, That's great. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, We're going to take a break here, and if you take a minute and then come back and talk a little bit more about McConnell's delicious ice cream, because I want to know what some of your favorite flavors are.
0: Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of the Meaningful Marketplace, committed to serving all Oregonians with the mission to advance the science that lives at the crossroads of conservation and production. We are inspired by the creativity of food innovation, new economic opportunities, and new experiences, because food brings people together.
1: Okay, so McConnell's ice cream is down in Santa Barbara, California, if you all don't know that, and they make gourmet ice creams from scratch, and they've been doing that since 1949, but that's not all they do. I think they actually make a lot of their own caramels and chocolate sauces and things that they put into their ice cream which is super unique can you tell us a little bit about your favorite flavor from mcconnell's yes (laughs) i have to pick just one flavor oh okay you can choose five
2: (laughs) okay oh gosh oh now five all right um yes so mcconnell's is making ice cream from scratch so they're pasteurizing cream and milk with egg yolk, making the ice cream base with, um, dairy from the central coast of California and, um, and then making everything that goes into it. So the chocolate sauce, the cookies, um, you know, in the industry, the, those are called inclusions. And so they have complete control over the quality and the flavor and the the flavors are really balanced and, um, and delicious. And it's a higher butterfat uh, ice cream. So it is rich and um, and has a really wonderful mouthfeel. Um, okay. And so the newest flavors are kind of my favorite flavors right now. Oh. There's a cinnamon and oatmeal raisin cookie. Oh, yum. Yeah. Does it have pieces that. of cookie in it? It has pieces of cookie in it. And then the ice cream is the cinnamon flavor. Mm. And then there's a sweet cream and caramel brownie. Mm. So, I mean, you know, anything with a swirl of caramel. Uh,
1: yeah. And I then I like the sweet cream idea because then you're not putting vanilla in there, which is super expensive. And I think right. the sweet cream ice creams actually taste better than the ones with the weird vanillas in them. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, then, I mean, you know, and vanilla is... It's own flavor. The vanilla bean is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It stands on its own. I I mean, I really love the Turkish coffee. It has flecks of, of coffee in it. And um, for summertime, they make a lemon ice cream, Eureka lemon with Marion berries. Well, it's a year round flavor, but I enjoy it in the summertime. Um, And Marion berries are from Oregon. They
1: are right there in Corvallis. They were, Developed at Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center. No, no, no. They were developed in the field a long time ago. <laughs> okay, so we got ice cream, we have cheese, we have meat, and what about Laban Mago? Uh, Laban Mago, which means
2: good treasure, um, is a condiment, of savory preserve company. Um, making really unique flavors, um, marmalades and chutneys that pair with cheese, um, and often merchandised at the cheese counter, but also can dress up any meal. So, um, it's really fun to have a condiment that can just like fix you, fix your dinner, you know, fix your roasted chicken or your hamburger or your, your fried egg in the morning with the tomato chutney. Oh my gosh.
1: I received, Um, I received a sample pack from them and I ate the whole jar of the eggplant one. Like I was like, I tasted it and I was like, oh no, I got to get a spoon. And then I just (laughs) ate the whole thing. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they're, they're beautiful, um,
2: diced eggplant. I mean, the texture is fantastic. And then it's with curry leaf. Yeah.
1: So good. That
2: the brinjal comp- caponata, the eggplant goes with. I think it goes with avocado toast, or with any sort of like uh, roasted vegetable. I've done it with summer squash lately.
1: I mean, it would be so good on vanilla ice cream. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> yeah. you should have them do a special project with the McConnells.
2: We've talked about it. Labon Mago has a sweet. Um, flavor that's white white pumpkin with slivers of almond and cardamom and vanilla. Ooh, that'd be and a great it, fall flavor, wouldn't it? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, that on top of vanilla ice cream or that on top of um, fresh ricotta cheese or yogurt. So that, you know, or cheesecake.
1: What about <laughs> if you put it on the crust of a frangipan? So you put instead of apricot jam, which people a lot of times will put over the crust and then they pour the almond stuff over wow. it. You could totally put a layer of like that shredded carrot. I can't remember what's with the shredded carrot one, but it's delicious. Yeah.
2: Oh, the the carrot is with dried fruit and it has some mustard seed. Yeah. That one. That one's pretty awesome. And it has a rich um, brown sugar, jaggery sugar.
1: That's right. It was really yeah. good. I served it with some um, smoked, pork short ribs um, on Friday night, had my neighbors over. I'm like, Hey, try this. You guys, they're like, woo, this is great. I've never tried anything so delicious.
2: Yeah. Oh, that's so great to hear. I I had the jar open um, and a friend of mine just said, she just couldn't believe it. Like, how do they get all of that flavor in a sauce?
1: (laughs) Yeah. And it would be super good with like a triple creme. Something or another, semi-soft surface ripened cheese. Ooh, I can't wait. I have to, like, go slowly because I want to enjoy every jar of that yummy stuff. Well, I know where you can get more of that. (laughs) So um, you also have a new company called Scout Canning, and they have different fish, I believe, or
2: seafood. Seafood, ready-to-eat, cooked And single portion seafood from Canada. So Scout is um, also chef-inspired seafood. So they're doing Ontario trout with dill and then Prince Edward Island uh, mussels and Prince Edward Island lobster. And then tuna from... You can buy canned
1: lobster or is it frozen canned? It's canned. Oh. Yeah.
2: So it, this is such a, I, I mean, I'm so excited to work with this item because, you know, it's ready to eat. It's nutritious. It's sustainable seafood from North America with brilliant packaging. Um, and I think that, you know, people are looking for high quality, delicious food that's just going to dress up their salad or, you know, make their lunch you know, ha- having chef-inspired foods at home, since we're not, sadly, we're not eating in restaurants as much right
1: now. I just realized something. If you had something from each of the companies that you're working with, you could make a beautiful charcuterie and like sort of pre-dinner thing on a piece of beautiful yes. wood.
2: Yeah. Yes. We just need a... Um, sourdough baguette yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, I'm so hungry yes so and also Scout introduced me to this term sea Oh, if you're going to make you know you have a preserved that's seafood great. appetizer board you know alongside the the cheese and salami why not
1: <laughs> I had to write that one down that's great that sounds wonderful they have some interesting things like albacore tuna with olive oil and garden pesto. Yum. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I haven't even tasted that one yet. It's going to be released in September
1: and, and what that is, is British Columbia tuna. So what is MSC certified albacore tuna? That what does is that mean?
2: The M- Marine Steward Council.
1: Oh, so, yeah. Marine Steward Council. Do you like to have certifications like that on the products that you choose to sell?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I think that 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 means something to a consumer that's like done their research about sustainable seafood and, and, you know, same with, um, and, and then also just having a, a third party organization, um, that has systems in place to ensure that the product is, is sustainably harvested and fair.
1: Um, I think it's, it's good. Can you paint a picture for us of what it's like walking into a really nice specialty food store? What are the smells and the visual things that you would see and smell when you walk in the door? Um, well, lots
2: of color. Lots I of think. color. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Hopefully it's well lit. Um, so you can see all the beautiful food. Yeah, I think that, and hopefully someone says hi to you right away and makes you feel welcome. <laughs> That's a good one. I mean, the, I think the best specialty food shops, all, all sorts of shops have had, you know, have had to kind of reorganize and, and redo how they, how they uh, meet their customers this in, in the COVID time, but, um, the best shops are, are, ha- you know, have samples and have tastes and can suggest, um, pairings and recipes and, you know, kind of have an understand you know, the staff and, um, have an understanding of how to put the food together on your table and, and inspire customers, not only to try new things, but, you know, to, um, to try new recipes and, um, and then, you know, then they're back for more. If, if, if they, if a customer, um, has an inspiring food experience, then they're going to be back for another inspiring food experience.
1: Yeah. So I think
2: the best shops really make you feel at home and, um, make you feel part of of the, their food community.
1: Some of the shops are very small, aren't they? Yes.
2: Yes, but there's, there are grocery stores that, ha, you know, do a, do a really good job and have wonderful cheese selection as well. So yeah. it's not just independent shops that are, are the places you can learn about good food.
1: So if you're going into a store for the very first time and you're trying to figure out, okay, should I try and sell these people on the product lines that I'm carrying What are Mm -hmm. the things that you look for? Do you go to the category areas, see who the competitors are? What are some of the things that you do as a broker?
2: Yes. I mean, I think that the only way to learn about what's going on in the marketplace is to be in the markets. And so I learned so much just by looking at the shelves and, you know, what's on sale and how is it merchandised and who's selling this and, Um, and seeing what, you know, the, the retail landscape of, of competing brands. Um, yeah, I mean, and I think, uh, and and talking to, um, you know, talking to retail managers or department buyers and listening to them talk about their customers, because oftentimes I'm in the store, ideally I'm in the store when the customers are not because, um, you know, when the customers are in the store, they need the attention of the staff. <laughs> and I don't need to be interrupting the customers. Um, so, I try to visit on off hours. And so, I don't necessarily see the shopping scene, right? So, I take feedback from from the
1: staff. So, do you ever go do the sampling for your for your companies that you work for? Do you ever stand in the specialty shop and give out pieces of cheese or little tastes of marmalade or whatever it is you're selling?
2: I have, and I've also managed a demo company that does that on behalf of the brand. So then I would get the reports and um, follow up with the retailers But I wouldn't actually do all the demos myself.
1: So you're Um, kind of like a prescribing doctor. You'll talk to your people and you'll be like, hey, uh, this weekend is the first weekend of football. I think you better get your cheese balls in there and make sure and have some of this. And we'll have our. Yeah. So you strategize for them.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I work on behalf of the producer and of the, of the product, but my job is also to, um, help the retailer sell, sell it, sell the product. And, um, if that's, you know, suggesting merchandising ideas or cross merchandising in different departments or, you know, um, this shelf, we would uh, we would like all of our products at eye level. <laughs> <laughs> do you ever but,
1: rearrange the shelves?
2: <laughs> oh no, I would I mean, yes, I would I I will do that if I have been given permission. But that's mm. something you can't you can't just I do always a front, you know, if I see my product in the store, I, I make the labels, you know, face front. Um so that people can see what what it is. But I'm not moving things from shelf to shelf unless um, I've been given permission.
1: (laughs) Let's talk about the labels. So when you look at a label, are there some very specific things that you're looking for, for eye appeal or interest level for the consumer or the buyer?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, definitely buyers make a decision based on, you know, uh, flavor and and quality and um, and price point but a lot goes into um, the packaging and the the name and the marketing and the color and scheme and is it you know so I think that's that's very interesting also
0: that is cool
2: and I've given feedback I mean I'm not I'm not the the designer marketer expert but i i see products on the shelf every day and so i see what what works for sure
1: so i don't think you really answered my question Uh-oh. about how somebody would be able to engage with you if they thought they had a product that would match with the ones that you're selling how would they do they send you a sample in the mail
2: yeah. Well, I mean, I think first I, I love talking to entrepreneurs and to um, and to food makers. And so starting with a quick conversation, um, if we think we could be a good fit for to work together, then exchanging samples and, and putting together a scope of work.
1: Um, yeah. I mean, I'll never say no to samples. <laughs> <laughs> so will you give people honest feedback? If you try something and you think it's not quite right yet? Yeah,
2: I will give honest feedback. And, you know, if I don't think that I could do the work that is needed, I, you know, I could make suggestions for, you know, what might be a better fit. Um, yeah, definitely. So you have, feedback is key.
1: Yeah, you have quite a few people that you're representing now, and each one has several different items. And are you thinking maybe you want to bring on a couple more products or are you set for now? You know, I really, I I, I mean,
2: I don't know. I think that I, I do want to bring on new products. It it is a matter of timing to be fair to my current clients. And then also, um, you know, also timing, like when category reviews happen in the market and, um, and what the brand needs, but um, yeah. And then I will, as I grow my client roster, I will then also grow my team, which is really exciting. Oh, that's wonderful. Growing my, and growing the territory as well to just be able to see um, stores, you know, further out than just the Northeast. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Traveling these days is not, what it was before. <laughs> it's not as it. It's kind of sad. I'm
2: yeah. gonna Make the best of it. We were together in San Francisco not that long ago.
1: And I know. It's great. We'll be there again someday. I know. The <laughs> last thing I did was go to that little specialty shop. where you? You were there? Yeah. I I don't even remember. Oh, the was. wine bar. Yeah. 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 That was a beautiful place. Do you sell to places like that?
2: I did send them a follow up email with the nice. information on the products
1: that I work with. That was but, kind of a um, casual it, place.
2: Yeah, but I'm not in San Francisco, so I'm, I, you know, I didn't drop off samples. But, um, but yeah, that would be, you know, next year I'll be. Visiting the stores in San Francisco again.
1: Here's something I always tell food entrepreneurs, and I hope they listen to me but I'm much sure or if they do. And let's see what you think about it. So you have a new product and you're trying to get the attention of a buyer. I always say it's better to bring the food with you than to just send it in the mail. What do you think about that? So you just yeah. said you'll deliver the food.
2: Um, I mean, I have a bag of samples everywhere I go. So yeah, I mean, I can't, it's really, when I'm talking about a product, I usually have a jar or a piece in my hand. What am I talking about this? You know, put it in their hand, put it on front of in front of them on the counter. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, food is visual. People need to like pick it up and, you know, look inside if they can and taste. Taste. Do you bring spoons with you? Yes. Yeah. I used to, you know, have, um, a little container, a little, uh, it's like triage Tupperware, Tupperware <laughs> container full of like, um, they the eco tencils, the paper spoons. And yeah. I would just open a jar and hand someone a spoon. Um, but not right now.
1: Yeah. You almost have to give everybody their own jar and their own spoon.
2: But yeah, I mean, starting the conversation with the product in in their mouth is makes it so much easier. And yeah, it's that's where always it, where it should easier. be. Yeah. It's more fun it's it's more fun to taste and talk about food than just to talk about food.
1: <laughs> yeah, and smell it too. Okay, yes. so did we leave out anything? I think we did. There's a company called Mad Rose Specialty Foods.
2: Yes. So I've been working with some Italian products, um, which I got to visit, um, last fall when I went to the cheese festival in Italy. Um, so mad Rose is the specialty food arm of Rosenthal wine imports. And, Mm. um, they've done a really great job with honey from the Alps and a Ligurian olive oil, um, Most of it is sold on their beautiful website, but we, my job has been over the past year to get it in
1: specialty shops. So, um, getting, getting the olive oil in the shop. Are people open to having products from Italy?
2: They are. Um, it is a, there's so many great products from Italy that are competitive, competitive market. Um, And so there are challenges there, but I mean, also there's excellent products from Italy. So, um, but I think, you know, as I grow my, my client list, it's um, my focus will be American made um, artisan food producers.
1: So when you go to one of the food shows, like the fancy food show that we were at this last January, are you in your own booth or are you walking around and visiting all sorts of different people? Or how do you work that show? Like, what is it for you? It's jumping
2: around to meetings. Um, so I'm having meetings in um, client booths or in distributor booths. So it's really um, it's really fun because I, I'm not, you know, previously when I worked for an importer, I was in one booth every day all day and the show and then I'd be like, what show? I've, I'm only in this booth and it's so fun to see the whole show um, and see everyone and see different booths. Um, so yeah, so' I'm, run, I'm running around the, the food show for sure.
1: Wow, okay, that sounds great. I'm glad to know that you're traveling all through the show investigating and learning about the competition and seeing what your clients are doing. I think that's super cool. Is there any couple of things that you were almost out of time and I was wondering, are there any like words of wisdom or last sort of things that you'd like to tell our listeners about being a food broker and engaging with one?
2: Well, yeah. I mean, oftentimes I don't even use the term broker because it's, okay. it's such a wi- widely interpreted. I mean, I have a small client list and I'm doing outside sales. Um, and I'm really making connections. So, um, and, and, and I'm out seeing stores and seeing customers, not just, um, making deals, you know, or whatever. So, um, so I think, you know, there's really great, there's really great cheese. Um, So seek out all the brands that I talked about. (laughs) Some of them are new and hard to find, but you can order them online. Do you want to list them out one more time? For sure. Scout, canning, uh, McConnell's fine ice cream, which should be pretty easy to find on the West coast. Um, And then Olympia provisions, charcuterie. So uh, ham and pate and, summer sausage and salami all sorts of delicious stuff and then um beehive cheese from utah which they're famous for barely buzzed that's uh a that, that's a good one um and then laban Mago. my favorite is the the carrot and dried fruit conserve
1: it's really good Okay, well, unfortunately, we're out of time. And we've already been talking for quite a while about some wonderful things that you're doing for the specialty foods industry, traveling around and connecting people with delicious brands. It's really a delight to talk to you today, Amy. Thanks for having me. It's you're welcome. You, Sarah. It's always good to see you too. Marketed Choice is Oregon's largest independent family-owned grocery store. With 10 stores in Oregon, it's all about choice. We focus on having a wide selection of the finest and freshest conventional, natural, organic, local, and health-conscious products. We have more than 1,300 teammates, including real, authentic chefs, bakers, butchers, cheesemongers, florists, and more. We all strive to create an authentic, relaxing, enjoyable shopping experience with our customers and truly care about our communities where our teammates and customers live and work. To find the Market of Choice nearest you, please visit our website at www.marketofchoice.com. At Market of Choice, we buy local so you can too. We record most Sony and Marshall live every week so you can tune in on Fridays at 9 a.m., Or you can find us on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you to our audio engineer, Alon, and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you want to be a guest on our show, you can submit that idea to startupradionetwork.com or contact us through Instagram. And until next week, bye for now.
0: Committed to serving Oregonians with the mission of advancing science that lives at the crossroads of conservation and production. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are inspired by the creativity of new food development. We strive to find new flavors, new economic opportunities, new experiences, and honor diversity. We are proud sponsors of the Meaningful Marketplace because good food brings people together. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen. Learn. Launch. 10%